Welcome again to Last Day Events Explained. My name is Norman McNulty, and today we are in part 7 of our series on Last Day Events, and today we are going to be discussing the Death Decree. And so I'm looking forward to going through that with you. And as usual, we have a few questions that we're going to address before we get into the heart of our presentation for today. I want to thank you again for those of you who have been sending questions in. We've had some more good questions come in this week. One of the questions that was asked, which was very good, was how do we know how long each stage of the Sunday Law is going to last? For example, how long is the little time of trouble going to last? How long is Jacob's time of trouble going to last? How long are the seven last plagues going to last? That's a very good question. And the honest answer is we don't have a specific period of time from inspiration. The best answer that I can give you is from Revelation 17 when we get the seventh head, which is after the deadly wound is healed in Revelation 13, it says that the kings of the earth will reign for one hour with the beast. Now that word in the Greek, or that phrase in the Greek, refers to a very short, indefinite period of time. It's not a time prophecy. So we shouldn't expect for this final crisis of earth's history to go on for a real long time. But there will be enough time for these events to develop. And so it's not going to be two weeks, but it won't be many years either. So we don't know exactly for sure, but it's going to be a short period of time. And um, another really good question that came in was, how do I know for sure if I'm ready for Jesus to come? And... You know, that's a question that I believe each one of us knows deep down in our heart. We know if we are fully surrendered to Jesus. And the way to know that you're ready for Jesus to come is if you're 100% surrendered to him. If every issue in your life, you have surrendered it to the Lord. As Ellen White says, it's not the occasional good deed or misdeed, but it's the general trend of the life that tells us um, which direction we're headed. And now people have used that quote to say, well, the general trend of my life is pretty good, and yet every 15 minutes they're stumbling into something they know they shouldn't be doing. So bottom line is it's total surrender that's how we know and in our heart we know if we've surrendered at the foot of the cross with everything in our heart and everything in our life to Jesus Christ we're not holding anything back and if you can say honestly to yourself and to God God I've put it all out on the line I've surrendered everything in my life to you there's nothing in my life that I'm holding back from you then you can have confidence that you're ready to meet Jesus in the clouds. I think one of the reasons why people are scared of last day events and of the final crisis and the time of trouble is that a lot of us are holding things back. We're 99% surrendered, but there's that one thing. And Ellen White says again in Steps to Christ that one sin persistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the power of the gospel. So we want to have everything surrendered by the grace of God. He's made it possible for us to do so. 
with his sacrifice for us on the cross. And so thank you for those questions. And again, if you have further questions, send them in to contact at audioverse.org. Um, obviously, there's some questions that have come in that I haven't been able to get to, but we are going to have a special session at the end where we go through all the questions that have come in. And I want to thank you again for the questions that have been coming in. I also want to remind you about my book, Daniel, Practical Living in the Judgment Hour, as we're going through these prophetic messages, as we're going through last day events. You'll find much of what we're talking about in this book, and now's a great time to be studying and sharing on prophecy. And you might have the book, but this would be a great gift for your friends or family. Let people have an opportunity to study these things that are happening right now. So now I'm, I'm going to move along into our presentation on the death decree. This is part seven in our 10-part series before we have our question and answers in probably part 11. And so as we get into this presentation, I'm going to ask the Lord to be with us as we go through this presentation today. And we want the Holy Spirit to guide each one of us as we go through this topic. So let's let's bow our heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to continue to learn more about last day events. And as we study about the death decree today, I pray that it would inspire us with confidence, knowing that you are there to protect us and to deliver us. May we have faith to be sustained for the crisis that lies ahead of us. And so be with me now as I speak and as I share. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the topic and the title for today is The Death Decree. And you can see the picture that I've used for the background for this title is the picture of a guillotine. And that, of course, was made famous in the French Revolution. The French Revolution happened at the end of the 1260 years when there was a period of time for three and a half years known as the Reign of Terror when God was abolished, atheism reigned supreme, and tens of thousands of, of French citizens were put to death by the guillotine. And estimates placed 20 to 40,000 were put to death. And we don't know exactly what will happen to God's people in the last days, but as far as how persecution will take place, but we do know that, as we talked about in earlier presentations, there will be martyrs for the faith. And there's obviously more sophisticated ways that people will be martyrs for the faith, but we want to be prepared and ready to stand and to be faithful no matter what type of instruments are used by the enemy to um, try to intimidate us as God's people. And so let's go ahead and look at some passages of scripture that look at what's happening and what will happen at the end of time. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 11. And this is a description of the second beast of Revelation 13, which is, of course, Protestant America. In verse 11 of Revelation 13, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. 
we've talked about this before, the two horns representing civil and religious liberty. So America starts off as a Christian-like nation. It's like Christ, like a lamb. But then he speaks as a dragon. When he speaks as a dragon, this is when the Sunday law takes place. Nations speak through laws, speaking as a dragon. Remember, the dragon gave his power, seat, and authority to the first beast of Revelation 13. And the first beast of Revelation 13 has the mouth of a lion, which is Babylon. And that beast had a mouth speaking great things for 1260 years. And when the second beast speaks like a dragon, the way the first beast did, this is the Sunday law. Then you see in verses 12, 13, and 14, you see that there are miracles. He exercises all the power of the first beast the beast whose deadly one was healed. Verse 13, he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who are on the earth. Now, the fire coming down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men is certainly done to try to convince the onlooking world that God is on the side of this apostate Protestant power. And I believe that the fire coming down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men is ultimately fulfilled when Satan personates Christ. Now we get into the death decree specifically, which we saw earlier in our series of meetings, which was part three um, of this series on last day events, that the death decree is stage four of the Sunday law. And in verse 15, we see, it says, he had power to give life unto the image of the beasts, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So there's the death decree. So the United States of America, Protestant America, is the one who gives power to give life unto the image of the beast. The image of the beast, the image is that which represents the first beast, which is the papacy. That image is the union of church and state. And then we see the mark of the beast in verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save or accept he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so the mark of the beast, this is enforced Sunday worship. And enforced Sunday worship, of course, starts even in stage two of the four stages of the Sunday law. And by the time we get to stage four, we have a death decree that he should cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so Revelation 17 also makes mention of this. Verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now that's the papacy. The beast was, is not, it shall ascend. And we get to verse 11. Um, he, this beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. Verse 12 says, um, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now I believe that when the kings of the earth unite with the resurrected papacy to make war with the lamb, I believe that is the death decree, the, the final ultimate fulfillment of making war with the lamb is the death decree. And so 
we see this death decree in Scripture, especially explicitly in Revelation chapter 13, um, verse 15. Explicitly, we see the death decree mentioned. It's implied in Revelation 17, verse 14. Um, it's also implied in a couple of other passages of Scripture that we're going to look at. But the death decree is a reaction to the loud cry message. Now, we studied that loud cry message under the power of the latter rain last week. And the latter rain empowers a loud cry message to go over the entire world. And it says that Babylon the Great is fallen. It's become the habitation of devils. It's the hold of every foul spirit, the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And so that's going to infuriate the papacy to be identified as the habitation of devils. And so this latter rain or loud cry message is given by the covenant people God's new covenant people, who are obedient. And this fits with Revelation 12, 17. Now remember last week we mentioned Acts 5, 32, that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. And in Revelation 12, 17, it says, The dragon was wroth with a woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So it's a commandment-keeping people who will be giving the loud cry message that will infuriate the papacy. And I believe Revelation 12, 17 is also implying the death decree. Now, you can certainly make an application to the time in which we live in now, where you have God's remnant church who keep the commandments, including the seventh-day Sabbath, and they have the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, and we believe that to be found in the writings of Ellen G. White. And so you have a commandment-keeping people who have the prophetic gift. That's the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so we say the dragon is enraged with this church and he's making war. And that's true. But the final fulfillment of him making war with the remnant. Um, it says he's wroth with a, with a woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Um, I believe will ultimately be seen in the death decree where he tries to destroy God's last day church. And we see this also in Daniel 11. And again, some of you may not be as familiar with the end of Daniel 11 as it relates to end time events, but I encourage you to study that further. But in Daniel 11, 41 through 45, we see that the king of the north is the papacy enters into the glorious land. And I believe this represents the National Sunday Law, where the papacy enters into the territory of the church. And when he enters into the territory of the church, it's for the purpose of conquering God's true church, his, the, God's people in his church, and that's through a National Sunday Law. Now, verse 44, after the papacy seemingly is conquering the whole world, it says, Tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. That's the loud cry message. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. So again, the reaction to the loud cry is a death decree because the papacy who receives his power seat and authority from Satan, the dragon, goes forth with great fury, utterly to destroy and make away many. That's the death decree, um, which we've talked about there. There you see, therefore he shall go forth to destroy and utterly to make away many. I believe, again, that parallels Revelation 12, 17. The dragon was wroth with a woman and went to make war with a remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There you see a death decree. And in Daniel eleven forty five, you have 
right after it says he shall go forth to destroy and utterly to make away many, verse 45 says, and he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. The sea represents people, and that's the people of this world. And so the entire world is uniting with the papacy, the king of the north, in a death decree against God's people who are found in the glorious holy mountain, which is symbolizing Mount Zion. And so you can see this death decree at the end of Daniel 11 as well. And so you have, again, in Daniel 11, we've talked about this a little bit, but there's the stages of the Sunday law where you start off with the king of the north entering into the glorious land. Those are the beginning stages of the Sunday law. And as you progress through Daniel 11, it talks about how you will have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. That's where no man can buy or sell. And then finally, as a response to the loud cry message, he goes forth with fury to destroy and utterly to make away many because the latter rain power of the loud cry is unstoppable and it's preventing Satan who has given his power seat and authority to the papacy from gaining control of the whole world and so he will be enraged or infuriated by the remnant God's covenant people who keep the commandments of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ he will be enraged by those who are giving such a message. And by the way, I, I probably mentioned this last week, but it's worth mentioning again. Don't expect to be part of the latter rain experience and to be part of the loud cry experience if you don't believe that God, through his grace and strength, can give you the power to obey and to write his law into your heart and mind. And don't expect to be part of the latter rain or loud cry experience if you reject the writings of Ellen G. White. God's last day people who are part of this loud cry message will keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy. And they will be the ones, we will be the ones, who will be subjected to this death decree. Now, in response to the death decree, Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Michael is standing up, not in response to a Middle East conflict with Turkey or the Eastern question or the Crimean conflict or some issue in Jerusalem in response to radical Islam or whatever it may be. Michael is standing up in response to the death decree in which God's people are surrounded by the king of the north and the whole world, the sea. Um, with the tabernacles of the palace being planted between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, God's remnant are found in the glorious holy mountain. And the papacy, it says he is going forth to destroy and utterly to make away many, meaning that he's trying to destroy God's people. So Michael stands up in response to the death decree. Michael is Christ. And so when you have a death decree... Michael stands up, and this correlates with Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 as well. So when Michael stands up, we hear the words in Revelation chapter 22, verse 11, which I will read, and I encourage you to follow along in your Bible, where it says, He that is unjust, these are the words coming from the most holy place of the sanctuary in heaven, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. 
And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. When the death decree is given, Michael stands up in response to this death decree and probation closes for the world. At that point, all cases have been decided. Those who are righteous will remain righteous. Those who are wicked will remain wicked. And this is the close of probation. And notice the statement from Ellen White. This is Review and Herald, November 19, 1908, from Article A. She wrote two articles on that date for the Review and Herald, and this is the first one, Article A. Notice the statement. Wonderful events are soon to open before the world. The end of all things is at hand. The time of trouble is about to come upon the people of God. Then it is that the decree will go forth forbidding those who keep the Sabbath of the Lord to buy or sell and threatening them with punishment and even death. So here's the death decree. And even death if they do not observe the first day of the week as the Sabbath. So there will be a death decree if you do not observe the first day of the week as the Sabbath. Now notice the next paragraph. Paragraph 13 of Review and Herald, November 19, 1908. And at that time, shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book by this we see the importance of having our names written in the book of life all whose names are registered there will be delivered from Satan's power and Christ will command that their filthy garments be removed and that they be clothed with his righteousness and they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Now notice this. There's a lot of beautiful things in here, but I want you to pay attention to this. In the previous paragraph, we see that there's a death decree for those who will keep the Sabbath and do not observe the first day of the week. That leads to the close of probation where Ellen White then says, and at that time shall Michael stand up. So when I see Daniel 11, 44 and 45, I see a death decree for God's faithful Seventh-day Adventist believers who will not observe the first day of the week as the Sabbath, and they continue to worship on the true Seventh-day Sabbath. They're giving the loud cry message saying, come out of her, my people. Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. Come out. Don't receive of her plagues. This infuriates the papacy. Now they institute a death decree. They plant the tabernacles of their palace between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. This is the death decree, and in response to that, Michael stands up. So Michael stands up not to some Middle East regional conflict in Daniel 11. He stands up to a death decree against God's people. And that's what Daniel 11 is describing. And that's very clear. And these statements from Ellen White are very clear. Notice um, also... Um, I've, as I've mentioned this, the death decree is in Daniel 11:44 and 45. This leads to the close of probation and Michael standing up in Daniel 12, verse 1. So we need to be clear on that. Notice the statement from Great Controversy, page 604. Fearful is the issue to which the world is to be brought. The powers of earth, uniting to war against the commandments of God, will decree that all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, shall conform to the customs of the church by the observance of the false Sabbath. All who refuse compliance will be visited with civil penalties, and it will finally be declared that they are deserving of death. On the other hand, the law of God enjoining the Creator's rest day demands obedience and threatens wrath against all who transgress its precepts. 
with the issue thus clearly brought before him, whoever shall trample upon God's law to obey a human enactment receives the mark of the beast. He accepts the sign of allegiance to the power which he chooses to obey instead of God. The warning from heaven is, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. So you can see in these two paragraphs that those who don't go along with this law will eventually be declared to be deserving of death, but the flip side is, is if that you worship the beast in his image, you'll drink the, of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. So those who receive the mark of the beast initially, thinking that they are doing so to save themselves, will eventually find them receiving the outpouring of the full wrath of God. And we want to be faithful to the Lord. We love him and we're not going to go along with any man-made laws. And again, from a human standpoint, we have within us this natural mechanism of self-preservation. Um, and we do whatever we can to preserve life and to avoid that which could cause us to lose our lives. And so everything at the end of the world is going to be going against our natural human reaction. Like if we can't buy, if we can't sell, if we can't support our family, if we can't sustain our life, every fiber of our, of our being, dis, if we're disconnected from the Lord, is going to say, go along, compromise, save yourself. Don't allow yourself to, to lose your, your existence over something that seems so arbitrary, and yet, as we face death it, by the grace of God, we will remain faithful, because as Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And so, God's faithful people at the end of the world will not love their lives unto the death. We will be faithful even when faced with a death decree and the loss of everything that we have. Notice this, Great Controversy 635. When the protection of human law shall be withdrawn from those who honor the law of God, there will be in different lands a simultaneous movement for their destruction. At the time appointed in, in the decree draws near, the people will conspire to root out the hated sect. It will be determined to strike in one night a decisive blow, which shall utterly silence the voice of dissent and reproof. The people of God, some imprisoned cells, some hidden in solitary retreats in the forest and the mountains still plead for divine protection, while in every quarter companies of armed men, urged on by hosts of evil angels, are preparing for the work of death. It is now in the hour of utmost extremity that the God of Israel will interpose for the deliverance of his chosen. Now we're going to talk about the deliverance of God's people um, as we come towards the end of this series. But you'll see that when there is a death decree, there will be a time that is set to destroy God's people, much as in the days of Esther, when a decree was made that set a date for the destruction of God's people, the Jews. At the end of the world, when there is a death decree, there will be a date set for the destruction of God's people. And of course, we know that God's people will be delivered, but it's going to be a trying time for the people of God. 
Um, and then we see with shouts of triumph, this is a continuing great controversy, 635, with shouts of triumph, jeering and imprecation, throngs of evil men are about to rush upon their prey when, lo, a dense blackness, deeper than the darkness of the night, falls upon the earth. Then a rainbow shining with a glory from the throne of God spans the heavens and seems to encircle each praying company. The angry multitudes are suddenly arrested. Their mocking cries die away. The objects of their murderous rage are forgotten. With fearful forebodings, they gaze upon the symbol of God's covenant and long to be shielded from its overpowering brightness. So, of course, the good news is God's people will be delivered. So let's look at the chronology of this death decree. You have a death decree, and when the death decree comes, this is when probation closes. After we have the death decree and probation closes, this is when the seven last plagues begin to fall, and this is when it begins to become clear who the righteous are, who the wicked are, who have been faithful to the Lord, and who have compromised, who received the mark of the beast, who received the seal of God. Of course, we can have some idea even before them based on who is being spirit-filled and giving the last message versus those who are falling away and joining with Sunday worship. But the seven last plagues falling, that's when it becomes very clear who has the mark of the beast and those who have the seal of God. It's also during the, the seven last plagues that Jacob's time of trouble begins. This is a trying time for God's people. They have gone from facing martyrdom during the little time of trouble, not being able to buy or sell, to the mental and spiritual anguish of knowing that probation is closed and wondering if they, if we, are truly ready to meet Jesus in the clouds. And God's people will be delivered at the end of Jacob's time of trouble, at the end of the seven last plagues. And we're going to talk about that in greater detail next week. But this is the chronology of what happens with the death decree. Now, in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 213, we read, When this time of trouble comes, every case is decided. There is no longer probation, no longer mercy for the impenitent. The seal of the living God is upon his people. This small remnant, unable to defend themselves in the deadly conflict with the powers of earth that are marshaled by the dragon host, make God their defense. The decree has been passed by the highest earthly authority that they shall worship the beast and receive his mark under pain of persecution and death. So when the death decree comes, there's no longer probation. There's no longer mercy for the impenitent. The seal of the living God is upon God's people. And so that statement makes that very clear. And then notice this from early writings, pages 36 and 37. I saw that the four angels would hold the four winds until Jesus' work was done in the sanctuary. And then will come the seven last plagues. These plagues enraged the wicked against the righteous. They thought that we had brought the judgments of God upon them, and that if they could rid the earth of us, the plagues would then be stayed. A decree went forth to slay the saints, which caused them to cry day and night for deliverance. This was the time of Jacob's trouble. So we can see that the, the wicked will blame God's judgments upon the righteous, and um, the judgments that have come upon the earth will be blamed upon the righteous, and this will cause, ultimately, the death decree to be given. So from the death decree, we see that Jacob's time of trouble begins. We see J Jacob's time of trouble in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. We saw the death decree in Daniel 11, 44, and 45. And again, Jacob's time of trouble 
happens after the death decree is given. And this is what we're going to look at in detail the coming week. Um, being prepared for Jacob's time of trouble is of the greatest importance for each one of us. It's not enough to know the sequence of last day events. It's not enough to know the chronology. It's not enough to know the, the different stages of the Sunday law and when the little time of trouble begins, when Jacob's time of trouble begins, where the death decree fits in this, where the seven last plagues fit in this. We need to have spiritual preparation. And God is giving us that time now. Listen, I mean... We haven't even hit the little time of trouble yet, but we are in a time of perplexity in this world and here in America and throughout the world with the pandemic that has hit, with the civil unrest that has followed. And, you know, it's, it's a trying time, and this is a great time as God's people to allow this moment in time of perplexity to become closer to the Lord, and to allow these trials to remove the impurities from your life. God is giving this time in his mercy to be prepared for what is going to become an overwhelming surprise that strikes this world. And the way this world is going, that could happen at any time. I'm not making any predictions. I'm not setting any dates. But God is giving us clear warning signs that his coming is near and that Jesus is coming soon. And we want to be found faithful and ready. So next week, we are going to go through the description of Jacob's time of trouble, what it means to live through that time, what it will be like, what we can expect. And it's something that we all need to be ready for. And so as we bring this presentation to a close, I just want to offer a word of prayer and ask the Lord to continue to be with us and bless us. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we know that even though a death decree is coming, we can have the utmost confidence that you are going to deliver us from that death decree. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to have the character that is needed to face that final crisis. May we not be found lacking like the foolish virgins. May we be wise with that extra oil in our vessels with our lamps even now, so that when the final crisis hits, we will go forth to give the loud cry under the power of the latter rain, and when the death decree is given, we will be found faithful even then, and that we will not compromise no matter what. Help us to be ready for Jacob's time of trouble, and as we study that next week, may we be prepared and ready. And so I just thank you for your blessings and for giving us this time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll see you next week. We will discuss Jacob's time of trouble. Invite your friends, share this series with them, and I'll see you next week. Thank you and God bless. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.